A graphic novel, a TV show. Well, it's not TV, it's HBO. And will this thing succeed? And by how much, man? Some might cheer and some might scoff Because it's Damon Lindelof But either way we're off To watch some Watchmen Watching Watchmen Talking Watchmen Analyzing Watchmen And maybe arguing over watches the watchman you watched watchman a couple of days ago and now we're going to watch ourselves as we watch some spoilers watch some theories watch some comments and watch each other and look out for each other is the most important thing i'm Ooh. alex i'm justin so heartfelt i'm pete and this is watchman watch this is our bonus episode 7.5 for an almost religious awe another big episode of watchman if you haven't watched it yet don't listen to this podcast Go back, listen to the previous one where we recap the whole thing. Also, probably watch the show. That might be important as well. Yeah, but don't listen to any podcast. Watch the show. Did you say listen to any podcast? I said don't listen to any podcast. <laughs> Swear off podcast. Go watch your television. The no, original podcast. Business. You know what? I'm going to edit out that part. I'll let out that part later. Uh, you uh, definitely will I, because you're responsible. Yes. Now nah, I'm going to leave it in. I'm lazy. Uh, I am very excited, though, because we do have a guest of this episode. We've had him on our live show in New York uh, before, and I've worked with him a couple of times in different capacities, and he's a cool uh-huh. dude. Josh Wiggler, contributing writer for The Hollywood Reporter. He also podcasts on Series Regular, which is Hollywood Reporter's podcast, as well as a ludicrous amount of other podcasts. So thank you for taking time from all of your podcasts oh. to come on our podcast. Oh, uh, Alex, that, get, that gets an almost religious awe out of me to you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. That's like really, you I'm are really Dr. A, Manhattan. I, listen, then, if that's the case, then baby, we're in fucking trouble. Uh, <laughs> that's no good. You don't want me uh, as Dr. Manhattan, I promise you. Oh, my God. That last line, I mean, this is, I want to get in and talk about your experiences with the show for a second, Josh, but that... That line, that last line of the episode has stuck with me all oh, week yeah. in a loop been, on my yes. head. And like the, the blue glow on Regina King mm-hmm. and like you can oh, kind yeah. of see his face in her eyes and uh, just the, the, the Reznor and Ross score. That's, uh, you know, it's life on Mars, right? Is like is lightly mm-hmm. playing in the background. Uh, it's it's wonderful. And like for that to already be, uh, you know, we're seven episodes deep and that's a contender for best ending of the series so far and like. You could say that. I feel like every week it felt like you could say that. Uh, this shows it's it's on fire. It's gone. It's, on it's, fire. Gone, it's gone. It's gone full. It's in a full atomic speed right now, which is appropriate with Doctor Manhattan in the house. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your experiences with the show. So you've been covering it pretty heavily for THR in between covering a multitude of other shows. Uh, but one of, I think the last article you did, you did uh, Watchman Damon Lindelof explains that religious reveal. That was your post cap right after the episode, but you did an email interview with Damon Lindelof and got a bunch of interesting uh, information from him. The two things I wanted to point out to kind of get your take on Josh, uh, just from the interview that you did uh, one that I thought was kind of fascinating. So uh, I never could pronounce his name right, but Yaya, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Abdul yeah. Mateen yeah. Uh, and Regina King, they were cast on the show, but they weren't actually told about the Dr. Manhattan reveal until after they were cast. Yeah. Is that right? Top secret. Yeah, I think it was It was obviously something that the writers knew, certainly something that Damon knew. The way that, that Damon uh, tells it to me in that interview, it sounds like, much like the, the Hooded Justice idea of, of Will Reeves' Hooded Justice was, was pretty central to the premise. Uh, it sounds like having Dr. Manhattan as Angela Abar's husband was something something that came out uh, in the writer's room pretty quickly. I think that that was a pretty early idea. Um, but as far as telling the actors that, I guess, I don't know, tight lid, you know, really, really, <laughs> clo- really closed circle on uh, making sure that that doesn't get out. I'm always, and I'm curious to get all of your guys' take on this, but I'm always of two minds about this sort of thing because I understand the secrecy. You don't want it to get out. You don't want to tell 100 actors in an audition, hey, by the way, you're (laughs) trying out for Dr. Manhattan or anything like that. But it also feels like it doesn't necessarily let you know what you're getting into. Obviously, in this case, it was a net positive. Clearly, Yaya loved it. He put up a hilarious 15-second <laughs> yeah, video. Yeah, he's just laughing for like... <laughs> yeah. yeah. In a taxi, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He, he hasn't stopped. It's actually... Yeah. They, he well, technically, it's still going on, right? Even if it happened a week ago. Uh, yes, Dr. exactly. Understanding of uh, but what's your take on that? Do you feel like they should put this information up front with their casting people? Do you think they should be more open about it? Or is this the right way to go? Fuck no. You can't tell actors anything. And like, especially <laughs> someone auditioning, like not even any, I, one of us could be in there and we would not keep it a secret. We'd be whispering <laughs> it to each other like little uh, kissing cousins. I don't and think Pete would tell anyone. Pete, I think you'd keep that on lock. That's right, man. I respect the art. Yeah. The art I will casting. say there is, we're doing this on video over Skype as well as audio, and Pete, there is a little bit of a blue glow on your eyes right now. Yeah. I'm sucking I, up to know, Pete because I, I think he nice, might be Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, be a nice, good choice. It would be a nice touch. No, but I do, I agree with Justin. Uh, I do think that, like, you can't, you, you got to kind of be, especially when it uh, comes to comic book stuff like this where, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Watchmen was, is, legendary so like uh you uh, you know we've been thinking about the whole time but if we knew it would kind of take away from the fun experience so i think they did they did it perfectly so far i think they've been really doing everything so so well i will say pete's definitely not dr manhattan because i've smashed his head open and it's just (laughs) nougat in there it's just a bunch of nougat it's chocolate uh, I Yeah, I think it makes sense. And I, I think this was also from your interview, but they basically, they did a chemistry test together. And to start with that, to start with the idea of do these people work together as a couple? Do they have chemistry with each other? And clearly they do on screen the entire time. That's what, in my mind, and part of the reason I've been thinking about that last moment so much, that's why that Dr. Manhattan reveal works, is because it's emotionally based. It's based in the characters. Sure, you have the twist. You have the mystery of all of it. But ultimately, it's about, okay, what does it mean for Cal, who we know is now John, but what does it mean for Cal and Angela, not, what? oh, shit, it's Dr. Manhattan. That's that's the only thing going on. Right. Yeah, and well, I, th- I think I think that makes sense to me. In ter- like, don't you don't need to tell them anything. Like, you can you can guide them towards that chemistry in in the read. Like, I think that you can you can 
you can orchestrate that. You can work there. And and then when you've when you've walked away from that and you realize like this is this is the right pair. This is the right guy. This is gonna this guy's gonna play really well opposite Regina King. That's when you get to deliver the Dr. Manhattan bombshell. And I I'm so sad that we don't have like live footage of that reaction. Of like how how did Yaya take that when he found out who mm-hmm. he was actually playing when he was cast is something that I'm that I'm desperate to see. I hope that somebody yeah. re- somebody had the wherewithal to record that back in the day. Plus how cool they played it in the show. Uh, like they gave us just enough information and just enough scene work for him where we're like, he's a little weird, but mm-hmm. also there's so much else going on. So he's a part of the show, but he's just under the radar enough that it pops so much when we get that uh, mm-hmm. hammer to the head. Now, me, uh, me and Sal's were talking about this yesterday. Uh, Justin, you called it early. Of you thought he That's was right. Doctor Manhattan early on. Maybe you're Doctor uh, Manhattan, Justin. Exactly. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know. But in the episode when she was, um, you know, touching that globe, and we got to see, you know, kind of like the booth stuff when she yeah. like clicked away. Um, uh, from what's her face in the booth, I was like, "Oh my god!" Um, uh, now I, it's uh, it's all like she knows, and then I was starting to really piece it together because otherwise she would watch the rest of that to kind of like get information on this detective who's been like busting her balls the whole time. I do love, and I've heard this from a lot of people who are like, "Yeah, I figured it out five minutes before it happened." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which yeah, is not fine. figuring it out. No, it's yeah. not figuring it I out. I figured it out 35 minutes ago. It's- uh, <laughs> that's it. Ooh, right there. there we go. Uh, there was one other piece of information that I thought was uh, pretty interesting and important for fans to know because they have been asking so many questions about this. This is your last question. Uh, Damon Lindelof pretty definitively confirmed that Dan Dryberg, Night Owl 2, is not going to show up in the series. Do you believe him? Was he being a tricky mystery boxer? Or Listen, what's your take on that? I am... I- I am a card-carrying Damon Lindelof apologist, OG, for a very, very long time now. Uh, Lost is still my favorite show of all time. Do not at me about this. You can't if you This is you and Alex are clearly very close. We can. can, can, can. It's true. (laughs) Alex doesn't even love just, he doesn't even just love Lost. He loves specifically the end of Lost. Yeah, I, I, the end of Lost has really do. grown on me. Uh, I that, did yeah, love it at first, but no. it's it's re- it's really grown on me. Uh, and, but I but I do think like back then, you know, he's a young showrunner. He's he's carrying the weight of one of the most popular shows in the history of television, certainly modern TV, on his shoulders. I think that he's like going out on podcasts and doing interviews and like saying shit he should not say. Of like, yeah, we're gonna answer it. We got it all. We're gonna answer it all. Uh, we definitely will. The whispers it's gonna be very satisfying. Uh, and then it's and then it's not for a lot of people. Or there's things that are left on the table, and people are frustrated about that. And I and I think that you don't really have to look much further than the leftovers. You know, he kind of goes on like a movie quest where he where he writes a bunch of scripts, and some of them are all right, and some of them are not so great. Uh, but then when he comes back to TV and he's doing the leftovers, that show. Um, has a little bit of a wobbly start, but then when you get to like episode five, episode six, I think that's the classic thing you hear. That show really starts to hit, uh, and all the way through to the end of the line for me, that's one of the best shows in in, in that I've ever seen. Um, and I think that one of the things that he really started arming himself up with is fe- feeling a little freer to not explain everything and being really open about the fact that like, yeah, some shit's just not going to get explained. And I think that he he's he's done he's really turned a corner in terms of like not lying to the audience in. His 
his meta stuff in the interviews and the podcasts. Uh, like when I interviewed him before the series even came out and we were talking about the Jeremy Irons character, he's like, you know, by episode two, we're not ready to tell you who Jeremy Irons is playing other than to say he's exactly who you think he's playing. <laughs> you know, like he's like, he, he knows that like, it doesn't matter if you know that Jeremy Irons is Adrian Veidt. What matters is how is Jeremy Irons going to deliver the line when he says Adrian Veidt? Uh, and and I think that that is why Watchmen has been as powerful as it was. I think like for you, Justin, if you if you were suspecting that Doctor Manhattan and Cal were the same person, um, how did that twist land with you? Like it was probably I, I hope oh. anyway that it was still like exciting because of just the way yeah. they did it. Yeah, oh, exactly. it was amazing. Like there's no well, that's what uh, you're saying. Like he flipped from being super sort of cocky almost during the lost days to he's really echoing our stress in all of his interviews where he's like i don't know what i'm doing i don't know if i did this right i just hope you watch <laughs> yeah. it and we're all yeah. like i don't know if he did it right i just want to watch it and it <laughs> all is just rhyming so nicely so i'll tolerate yeah. the chess match between two gods on a, a random island on lost for this show being amazing I think it was backgammon or something. It was like Mancala. Yeah. Oh, Mancala. What, a, what an interesting Mancala. choice. <laughs> Listen, I, I want to clarify before people get really bad at me. The second to last episode of Lost is not good, but the last episode is good. <laughs> uh, uh, wow. I mean, Across the Sea is, is a thumbs down from you, Alex? Yes, it is. It is. Uh, te- technically, it's the third to last episode just push my glasses right <laughs> up my nose. Josh, is that oh, another man. person? Is that another I'll person? Myself out. <laughs> he got out-nerded. Uh, before we go on, on the Dan Dryberg tip, I think it's too bad that we don't get to see him, especially given so much of the Watchmen pieces they use. It's weird they're just like, ah, forget him, since he's such a big part of the sto- original story. But... I don't know if I said this on the show yet, but I do think it leaves a possible season two opening right. to mm-hmm. do a Dan Dryberg in prison season as you start there and see him involved in a totally unrelated uh, mystery, something where he has to work his way out of a, a crazy future prison. Yeah, so I who, would, I would watch that episode. who plays old Dan Dryberg in that scenario for season two of Watchmen? Ooh, that's a tough one because um, I think he wants somebody who's like Kevin Conroy. Oh, wow. <laughs> Kevin wow, Conroy! I don't think <laughs> I think Just, he wants someone who's like meaty. He needs someone who's like like sort of been through he too can put much. It on the weight. Unless ah. Dryberg like got a like prison ripped, right? Like he got like yeah. prison mm-hmm. jack. You could get oh. he could go full leftovers and get Scott Glenn. Like that would be like oh, uh, yeah. like prison power, Dan Dryberg, or like Danny Trejo. <laughs> Yeah, Danny Trejo Dryberg, as they call him. Uh, uh, yeah, any of these are great ideas. Uh, let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about something else that happened in the world of Watchmen today. Uh, <laughs> HBO is always very reticent about their ratings. You know, we find out their broadcast ratings, but so much is focused on streaming, what's happening online, multiple showings of things, et cetera, et cetera. And they don't usually share that. They will share the full numbers at the end of the run after episode nine. They'll probably send out a big press release and be like, here's all the number one things that we hit. But today, as of the taping, we're taping this on a Wednesday, uh, Kate Arthur at Variety tracked down a couple of the numbers. So I'll throw them out at you guys. And you let me know if you have any reactions after we get through this. Uh, She said that according to horror sources, uh, there was an average of 7.1 million viewers across all platforms. I assume that means per episode. So that's HBO Go, HBO Now, uh, as well as HBO, any HBO 2 shows, et cetera. 
HBO Magic Sometimes, Eve. HBO Morning, yeah. HBO Evening, mm-hmm. um, HBO Pizza Bagel Time. That's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite uh, time of day. Yeah. Also, for the initial viewings, I I think part of the reason these numbers came out, frankly, is people started to get worried with the sixth episode, which is arguably the best episode, the the statement episode, went down in the ratings for whatever reason. I I imagine there was just a lot of things on that night. Uh, But regularly, it's getting about 800,000 in the broadcast, 1.2 million total for the initial night of viewing, the uh, initial viewing plus 12 hours. Uh, The first episode is up to 9.6 million viewers now, which overall makes it HBO's biggest new show since Big Little Lies, uh, which is great, I think. Uh, What's your take on it? Same audience. Same audience. Same audience. (laughs) All those big little liars. Yeah, Yeah, Lori is the Renata of Tulsa. That is definitely (laughs) correct. That's great. That is very easy to map that on. Uh, and is is Adam Scott the the cow of the of the Monterey? Does that is he? I don't know. Yeah, I can see though. He could turn out to be the Doctor Manhattan of yeah. Big Little Lies. People do want to bash his head in from that show, yeah. right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I don't like it. I don't like it. Well, well, what's your take? Is this good news in terms of these ratings? Do more people need to be watching this? Is it not enough? Does this enough for there to be a season two? What are your thoughts? Well, I think it definitely uh, is a great sign. Um, and I think that w- how this ends, more if it ends as well as it's going, uh, I think more people will tune in and those numbers will just go up. But hopefully that kind of... Uh, I think that's a great statement for uh, HBO taking a kind of a gamble on Watchmen. And uh, you know, I think it's all pretty good news. Yeah, I mean, these. I think those are fantastic numbers, and I think they're going to want to do a season two. The question is, what is season two, and how are they going to pull it off? Because I don't, I don't think I would want to see just like a to be continued, and then come back and be like, "So get this now, Doctor Manhattan, <laughs> somebody else." Yeah. Like, guess who he is now? You won't believe it. It's uh, this other guy we've made up. Uh, I think they. I want to see, like I said, a Dan, something like adjacent to this story mm-hmm. that still plays in the Watchmen world. And that's why I think leaving Dan Dryberg out is actually maybe great for that. And that's what Lindelof has said, right? Like, I think he's he was the one at, at Comic-Con that was like, uh, we might not do a season two. Like, I've, I've, we designed this as a, as a done-in-one story that by the time that you get to the end of season one, it should be some measure of satisfying. Uh, couching it in my definition of satisfying is different from many of your <laughs> definitions of satisfying, so duck and cover <laughs> appropriately, especially you, Justin. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I know, not great, not great. Um, but I, I think that... <laughs> Does he have the idea? Does he have the the um, does he have the drive to do it? Does he does he hand it off to somebody else? I think those are questions as well. I think that the numbers to me indicate that um, HBO is down for more Watchmen. Mm-hmm. I think this being uh, especially for a genre show for them being as successful as it is with Game of Thrones off the air and yeah we've got the prequel coming but that's still a question mark especially in a world where like a Game of Thrones pilot gets shot and killed. Literally. Yeah, it's way it's way it's a ways off, and they need to yeah. they need to launch something with HBO Max that's going to pull eyeballs in and 
It's not going to be one of That's those That's the thing, yeah. without getting too wonky about it, that worries me a little bit. And this is an overall worry about the place that HBO is in right now, because Watchmen is actually holding very close to the pattern of a lot of their shows. I often think about, like, the night of that started super small, got a lot of buzz because it was every week, and it just built and built until the end. Same thing with Chernobyl, where it became this Monday night event. Or even in, a, in the same sort of way, Game of Thrones, though, I think that bumped up more between the first season and the second season. And that's what we're seeing here with Watchmen is everybody's talking about it because it's week to week. It feels like, okay, okay, I guess I have to check this out. Oh, this is good. I'm going to keep watching it. Because HBO Max is coming out and because that's just, as far as we know, this intense, insane, overwhelming content farm, the new HBO feels like, yeah, do it now. Do all of it now. Let's get it out. And that's not what should happen with the second season of Watchmen. I think they're still going to pocket the prestige HBO shows. I think will still come out in the same fashion. I don't think they want to damage that brand. It's just going to have a million other things that we may or may not be. It'll be like, watch 10 seasons of this thing that you either it was on in the nineties and you forgot about, or it's a, a new version of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I, I hope you're right about that. Uh, so that's the ratings. Uh, regardless, good news seems to be working well for a giant corporation, AT&T. Uh, let's move on. to season, some- Wait, season two, episode one, lube man slides into the sewer yes. and the camera follows him. Where does he go? Nine episodes. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> just season two is just all lube man. Sliding down that binge. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Maybe he could finally meet the Ninja Turtles. That would be awesome. They haven't secret come of, in yet. Secret of the U's. We need to find out. Secret of the yes. lube. Secret. I know the secret <laughs> of the lube. Yeah. Uh, let's move on and talk about PDpedia as we do every week. PDpedia is the back matter that they've been providing online at hbo.com slash PDpedia that you check out. There were two things that went up this week. One of them was another memo from Agent Dale Petey called The Origin Story of Sister Night. And the other one was Calvin Jelani Medical Report, which seems to be... As far as I could tell, the medical report that was filed in Vietnam after Dr. Manhattan in his Cal guys came to and said, oh, I have amnesia. I don't rec- uh, I don't remember anything before they headed back to Tulsa. Uh, let's talk about the origin story of Sister Night, though, first, uh, which I thought was fun. It talks about the Sister Night movie. We saw the VHS tape in the last episode in the spinner rack that young Angela was looking through. We find out that Sister Night is actually part of a wave of black exploitation films that came out in the 70s uh, that were all about superheroes. So you had Sister Night, you had Tarantula, uh, which to me sounds a little <sighs> bit maybe like a Spider-Man ripoff or something like that. You also mm-hmm. had uh, The Black Superman, which PD says was a fun riff on Dr. Manhattan, which is definitely twisting your things around. And the most That's interesting right. one that they just kind of dropped in there is one of the black exploitation movies was Batman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> which interesting. is... Amazing. Uh, I love that they keep doing this, that even in the back matter, they're like, yeah, Hooded Justice, by the way, black. Dr. Manhattan, black. Also, Batman, black. Just roll with it, everybody. Let's just go. Uh, Did you guys check out this material? Any things you took from it in particular? Well, it's funny how they've couched this as a report for that PD is making that will be that is for Lori, but also on file with the government. And Petey was like, well, I better include a written out theme song from Sister Night, uh, which she does, which is hilarious. And 
And Petey's like, this song's cool. And like, when uh, is he doing this? When does he have the time to do this? Because if, yeah, exactly. if you read if you read the one from the week before, like it's very clearly like in the immediate universe of what we're dealing with in this episode, in this one that just passed, where like he's like he's being like sent to go places by Laurie and he's like writing about that in last week's Petypedia. And so like what? He like just like went over to Wade's house and found all those dead Rorschachs. And he's like, you know what? I really got to write about Sister Sister Knight. I, I can't get the nun with the motherfucking gun out of my head. Like, I really just need to pull the car over and just type this one out real quick. The crazier thing about it, too, is that computers don't exist in the same way right. in this world. They don't have the internet. So somehow he's writing this stuff out in between everything else that's going on and then getting it over to the FBI. So I don't know. I guess I don't like this show anymore. It doesn't make sense. That's what oh, I'm saying. Oh, wow. Screw Take you, man. <laughs> also, when does he have time to be Lube Man with all this going on? That's you right. Know, well, maybe man. that's the thing, right? Like, he's Lube Man, so he's so fast. So he's mm. able to just, like, lube from Wade's He's using house. the sewers to get all yeah. over the town. It's the best yeah. way to do so it. Yeah, so he's just, like, lubing yeah. straight to computer terminal. And just, like, he's got these thoughts in his head. And he's just, like, very prolifically, like, pouring them out of his brain. He's like, I, yeah, when I, I, I want to get a lot of article on my way. When I want to get a lot of writing done, I lube up my hands and computer. And boy, this is a good writer's I, tip. Because, yeah, yeah, little yeah. known fact. Hemingway I didn't realize that we were dealing with uh, tricks of the trade on this podcast. Yes, no, we are. <laughs> <Always>. Insiders. <laughs> Uh, the other thing that was kind of interesting that was in here, PD talks about Will Reeves, how Will Reeves owned a movie theater in New York. This is something we found out through, I believe, the last will and testament of Nelson Gardner, a.k.a. Captain Metropolis, uh, that he bequeathed him. Did he bequeath him the theater or did he just give him the money and say, go to the theater? Was that what, what happened? I'd- I think he gave him everything, but he said, uh, yeah, go to the theater and that's where you'll be presented to it or something, I think. Right. And and the note that Petey mentions is the night that Angela Abar took on the identity of Sister Knight. Will Reeves started showing Sister Knight that midnight every Saturday at his movie theater, which is a very interesting, very weird detail. What do you take away from that, if anything? I think that means that um, that Will and Dr. Manhattan have been in touch at multiple points in the timeline. Cahoots. Cahoots. Yeah. I think they're a little... Uh, I, maybe we'll learn about that, but it just feels like Will knows everything all the time, and mm-hmm. how else do you explain that? Yeah. Uh, let's... A- anything else about this one before we talk about the medical report? Uh, I would... I, I, I hope we get these for, like, every week going forward forever yeah <laughs> just get a weekly pdpedia that yeah. season two is just it's all like uh like a text-based adventure game yeah uh what were I'm you gonna say josh about the... uh, i was i was gonna say that uh with all this emphasis on the movie theater uh that will reeves owns in the pdpedia and this week with the introduction of the idea of sister knight being a film and with the series having started in uh, the dreamland mm-hmm. in Tulsa with Bass Reeves. I just really hope that the final scene, even if it's like post credits or it's rolling on the credits is we just get to go to Will Reeves' theater and watch uh, the nun with the motherfucking gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think like that would be a really fun way to close the season. Plus out. there's the, you know, kind of like mind control in the movie theater that they kind of like already set up. So that's right. also kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they're going to end with that, where they end up mind controlling everybody to kill themselves at the end of the season. Right, positive uh, reviews of Sister Knight. <laughs> yeah. 
Another very good writing tip is use mesmerization as much as possible to get people to like your stuff. Uh, let's talk about the Calvin That's Jelani. That's why the Marvel movies are so popular. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk about the Calvin Jelani that, medical the, the report. The money that we get, we get paid. This one I felt like was pretty simple in terms of what it presents. It kind of gives us information that we already know. There's a funny detail at the end where yeah. Cal seems Bobblehead. interested in a Dr. Manhattan bobblehead. But was there anything I missed in there? Any details that you thought were particularly fascinating? Well, uh, in talking about the episode before I read this with other people, some people were saying, um, well, was was Angela in a relationship with someone named Cal that Dr. Mm. Manhattan replaced after he was killed in this accident? Or, or her, her in this accident? Or did she just start dating Dr. Manhattan or meet Dr. Manhattan and he took on this Cal persona? And uh, I thought that was an interesting, uh, different take on it. And this sort of pushes it in the direction that I think Dr. Manhattan met her and then became Cal. Mm-hmm. That's what my take. I don't know. What do you yeah. guys think? Because I think that's, there's the two very different things. And I think it... Uh, plays on the theme of of race uh, and in a different way, depending on which one is actually is. It seemed like from the promo that it, he he became Cal. Mm. Well, that's a thank you for the segue, Pete. Really appreciate it. Uh, We can talk about the episode eight promo. Uh, We talked about the name of the episode a little bit in the last episode of the podcast because uh, it still blows my mind that they just put this out there and nobody really picked up on it. But the name of the episode is A God Walks Into a Bar, which is A God Walks Into a Bar as in Cal Bar, and they just threw it out, and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, it's like a joke. I get it. Which anyway, is, moving on. You know, it's no surprise. I mean, this is the show that, that dropped the line squid pro quo a couple weeks ago. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, a guy walks into a, a God walks into A-bar, like, that's not a far leap from squid pro quo. Squid yeah. pro quo still holds the title, I think. <laughs> it's all great. Uh, let's great. talk about the episode eight promo. There's a lot of stuff going on here. Other than what we just mentioned, are there any images, Justin or Pete in particular, that jumped out at you that you thought were interesting, fascinating, you had questions about? Uh, it seems like the way they're presenting this, uh, it feels like there's some mask work. It feels like it's going to be a little more theatrical based on this promo. And I thought that was really cool. I mean, they've been doing such like, Amazing things with the show. I was a little like, oh, I hope it's not because it's like, you know, he, he's narrating like you're going to want to try to save me, but you won't be able to, you know. And, you know, she has been like this whole show going against what people have been telling her um, and doing it well. So, you know, I was a little like, OK, well, at least this part is still. But it's just I was so blown away by the the bar scene that it was hard for me to kind of then rally to focus on uh, the action stuff, which was kind of crazy for me. And that's, it's scary when Dr. Manhattan is saying something like that. Cause he's not, he's never wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. That's sort of his yeah. deal is he knows what's up. He's, he, like, if that's what he's saying, like you're going to try to save me, but you can't, then this, uh, this is not going to have a happy ending. So yeah, which is, Sucks. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> 
I like Cal. I like Dr. Manhattan. Everyone yeah. be cool. Everyone relax. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't do know. I, mention, I agree, oh. though. I do think he is not going to survive uh, based on that and the promo and the amount of times they said that he was immortal in the mm-hmm. beginning of the last episode makes me think he's going to die. It's well, an intense it thing for Damon Lindelof, who's like this huge Watchmen graphic novel disciple, to like come in, do this show he's very <laughs> nervous about, and then he just like he just straight up kills Doctor Manhattan. It's like That's, very is a very gutsy thing to do that. I would not put past him, but it's just like a very that's a that's a that's a big move. That's a big smack against Alan Moore. It's the kind of thing that might make you nervous in every interview. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. True. true. I mean, I do think, though, it's a smart thing for the longevity of the show, because what he has talked about in a lot of interviews and at panels, and I've, I've heard this quote, uh, him talking about it a lot of times where he said, that bringing in Dr. Manhattan is something that intrinsically changes the series, that like it's a bomb, it blows everything up, it it raises the stakes exponentially. So if you can also figure out a way to take that out off the board permanently, that allows you to do a season two without the Dr. Manhattan of it all necessarily hanging over your head the entire time, which I think potentially is a good place for the show to be in. Yeah, but like once you once you've delivered that bomb, once you've dropped that bomb, and yeah, you diffuse it. You have to. You're going to have to come up with something in season two that carries some weight. That's yeah, very because to that. it's like how do you, you follow know, up Doctor Manhattan? Yeah, I mean, you know, if that actually happens, if he kills Doctor Manhattan, I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to come back for season two. Well, the, uh, you can kill Doctor Manhattan. You don't necessarily have to kill the person. You can kill his powers. You can mm-hmm. ch- change him. Like his whole thing has it seems like it might be chasing being human. Uh, maybe he starts over as a kid. Maybe he becomes uh, Topher. We there's some weirdness with Topher that we haven't quite mm-hmm. figured out yet. Topher like, Grace. Yeah, Topher Grace, obviously, yes. is what I'm talking about. Um, I mean, it would Grace. actually, just to throw it out there, it would explain how he played Venom if he was Dr. Manhattan. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, He's been a really easy. underappreciated part of the success of this show, I think, uh, <laughs> Topher Grace. Yeah. yeah, it's true. No one talks about him. Yeah. Except I don't for know us. why we're not talking about that more. But that's very interesting, Justin, if, like, you know, because we got to see in the graphic novel and stuff like how he got his powers and they kind of re-showed that. So if they depowered him, that would be kind of amazing. Yeah, because I think it's the, the way the 7th Cavalry talked about we're going to kill Dr. Manhattan. That feels very blank of them to say like it's like we're going to do this. Here's our evil plan. The plan has to have be more complicated or have different repercussions than we expect. Yeah. And uh, I do think something will happen to irrevocably irrevoc- change Dr. Manhattan. I say something like that to my wife every day before I go off to work. I'm like, well, going to go kill God today, honey. And she's like, have fun. And then I walk out and I come back and she says, how was it? And I'm like, maybe tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, you wow. fail every day. That's every nice. day I fail. And every day wow. I go back and fight God. <laughs> wow, man, you've got a fucked up day. Listen, it pays it's a well. a lot of pressure you're putting on yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's a hard time. Just be kind on yourself. Yeah. I, I got my day job, got my God-killer job. <laughs> One of them is working out. Uh, oh, they're unrelated. The... <laughs> well, you go up to a stranger on the subway and you're like, are you God? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Good. Bye. Yeah, good for See you. you later. Yeah, <laughs> he puts his hammer away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else about the episode eight promo before we move on and get to some questions from listeners? Uh, it's just, it's, uh, it's just so 
the ramping up of the episodes has been really amazing. And with each kind of trailer, they really do a good job of giving you like excited about a different aspect of the world and the kind of turns that this show has made. It's really, it's really impressive. Yeah. Let's get to some tweet questions and comments from you all in the listening audience. This is from Daniel Cabral on Twitter. They put everything in front of us. Will being hooded justice. Cal as Dr. Manhattan. They give away the giveaway about Cal was Laurie's encounter with him. It seemed they had something. Clearly they have just not what we expected. What do I know? It's only a tweet that will never be remembered. Wow. What a sad Wow. Oh my gosh. Daniel. Wow. It's Daniel, not going to show God with that podcast that's going to live somewhere. Yeah, yeah, this podcast is going to live forever. That tweet is immortal. That's yeah. immortal. Yeah. It's going to live <laughs> forever. You it's should immortal. pin that tweet. I think it should be at the top yeah. of your tweet. Yeah, I don't Can know I... why you're starting with that tweet. We should have ended with that tweet. Jesus. Please? No, you started at the beginning in case people tune out because they're like, now I got to go find this tweet and pin it to my own account somehow. We <laughs> should guess. smash that tweet open and see what's inside. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good idea. Uh, yeah, all, all right, this man. stuff. I We were talking about this on the recap a little bit, and Josh, I don't know if you have any takes on it, but one of the things that I love about the show is that they really did lay out every part of the mystery, and you could pick it up. You could figure it out if you wanted to, but... Only if you're really smart. Really <laughs> smart. Do you Otherwise, you get it five minutes beforehand. Uh, exactly. But, yeah. Uh, but no, they lay out absolutely everything. The hooded justice thing was all there. The Dr. Manhattan thing was all there and it all makes sense. But like we were saying earlier, I don't feel like figuring it out in either case takes away from the show. It only adds to it. Yeah, totally. It doesn't matter. Like what, what matters is watching Will Reeves, you know, fight crime in the alleyway for the first time. Uh, and like what, like watching the delivery of those, of those story beats, I think like just the, the art behind that, like, even if, if you had the, the inclination and a lot of people did from the first episode, even it's like, oh, well, they're going to keep talking about that hooded justice show. Uh, this is probably going to connect these guys. Uh, and it, it, it just, I think it works out with the delivery. Um, I think with the, with the Dr. Manhattan stuff, uh, and how like there was so much on the board, um, and what can you go back and like look at as far as Cal? One thing that I had been looking at uh, back in episode three was that piece of pop art on the wall in Laurie's apartment mm-hmm. uh, in the, in that first scene? Because you see you see very clearly uh, the the Ozymandias illustration looks like Jeremy Irons, and the Silk Spectre one looks like uh, Gene Smart. Uh, and Dan Dryberg, he just has the huge mask on, so he doesn't really look like anybody. I was really trying to see, like, does does Dr. Manhattan look like anybody in this cast? And I couldn't figure it out. And bad on me, I wasn't thinking about Cal. Uh, yeah. But if you go if you go back and you look, it's like, oh, that kind of looks like Yaya a little bit. Like I, I do it. think he does look like, I yeah. think it's perfectly done, because he looks yeah. enough like him where you're like, oh, he's, it's right there. It's yeah, been right there the really whole time. Is. It really is. It's really smart. Yeah, they showed it to us. Uh, This is from John George on Twitter. This touches on a pretty popular theory that I've seen in the past week in particular. Uh, So there were the dead bodies of Phillips and Crookshanks that uh, Veidt put out on Europa, spelled out a couple of letters, a couple of words. All we got to see was Save Me D. A lot of the popular theories have been Save Me Dan Dryberg, which I don't think makes a lot of sense. Save Me Dr. Manhattan, which does make a little more sense. The latest one that John says is Save Me Daughter. 
Specifically, the theory there is as Lady True dropped this very big sort of like uh, dangling sentence of her father is going to be there soon. A lot of people started to suspect that perhaps, uh, in fact, Lady True's father is Adrian Veidt. What do you think about that theory? Yeah, I've been really operating under the idea that uh, she was connected to um, to the comedian's time in Vietnam mm-hmm. and, yeah. and linked to Dr. Manhattan in that way. If, if Dr. Manhattan uh, had felt remorseful about the way that everything went down with that scene from the comics uh, and maybe took a you know special attention to, to you know fixing that mistake. Um, but I, they, they kind of shine a light on that a little bit in the PDpedia from last week, I think it was, where they have like that Lady True article uh, and talking about like, is she the comedian's daughter? And I feel like that's not on there that early if that's the direction they're going. I think that I like the Ozymandias idea. One, I, one, one thing that I've seen making the rounds recently, uh, and I'm, I'm going to forget to credit a couple of the people who've tweeted this my way, uh, is that the, that the bust of Adrian Veidt that we see in Lady True's, like, ar- like uh, what I was going to say, Arboreum? I don't know. Uh, vivarium. Vivarium. Uh, sorry. I, <laughs> I, I, I am not way. smart. I have not figured things out. That is close. Uh, I, don't, that, I wouldn't discredit saying Arboretum <laughs> instead of Vivarium. <laughs> uh, that's a, there's, there's people who think that that's like, it's like Han in, in Carbonite or Horatio mm. Sands in Carbonite, if you prefer. And it's, it's Adrian nice. Veidt is in the statue. Uh, and like, because like, we know that like the timing is probably a little bit off and earlier in that episode, something rockets onto the Clark farm, uh, is that Vite coming back and is he like encased in some sort of bullshit and he's in the, the vivarium. I mean, that would be, I've heard a lot of people saying that too. That would be so weird. But like, this it, show is so weird. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, it is. And so maybe that is what it is. He's just going to crack open and be like, ha-ha. Like an egg. Like an egg. I mean, there's so many eggs that he's just going to hatch. I think it's save me, doctor, you giant blue dickhead. I think that's what it spells out. Yeah. Yeah. Save me, dudes. We don't know how many Phillips and Crookshanks are there, so (laughs) it could have been a very long message. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Save me dad hamburger that you haven't finished and some french fries, please. If you ate that. While I was gone, <laughs> I'd be so mad. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll we, we touched on this a little bit the last episode, but I do feel like based on the fact that we know that Lady True cloned her own mother and is putting her mother's memories inside of her, if Adrian Veidt were her father, it would almost make sense to not have Jeremy Irons there, but yeah. have a child version of Adrian Veidt that she'd taken from the genetic material God. from that statue or something like that. And so we'll see two young kids together and she'll say, these are my parents. Right. Yeah, but- well, a great, a great way for season two to have like, uh, Jer- if Jeremy Irons doesn't want to do this again, you could still have your Ozymandias honey cake and eat it too. And have like mm. cool. yeah, Adrian, Adrian <laughs> Jr. AJ, AJ Veidt. Now, to me, though, like, what's the nefarious plan about cloning, having child parents? Like, it's just, again, it's, it's like, what are you doing? It's Why? Power well, shift. no, it's, it's, it's very therapeutic because you get to boss them around. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? Yeah. Oh, interesting. So you think this is like a child fantasy? Like, ha-ha, yeah. you got to eat your vegetables, Dad. Yeah, how do you like it? You can't get up from the table till you cleaned your plate. Ozymandias. Yeah. 
Hmm. This okay, maybe all tracks. Uh, yeah. Let's move on to another one. This is from Dan Weston. Says the, several thoughts. Uh, they are using Laurie as bait for Doctor Manhattan. I think Vite is linked to Keen, as there is a clear scene dissolved between them in Episode Three. Another link with Vite is that Keen gets Laurie involved, knowing that they will be using her later. Vite loves a plan. Looking Glass will reappear amongst the Seventh Cavalry. He took one of their masks. Still, one question: What happened to Judge Shu when he was hung? Uh, so I, mm. just to deal with the last two first, because I think those are the easiest, uh, the judge shoe thing, I, I don't think you're necessarily supposed to think about that being missing. We talked about that, but that's a clear visual reference to when Rorschach gets dragged off in the comic book. He only has one shoe on. So I really think that's all they were going for there personally. And I definitely agree that looking glass 100% took one of the Calvary masks, He's undercover there right now and yeah. hopefully is going to fuck ship up. They're going to Wade's going to reclaim Rorschach, right? Yeah. Like if, if yeah. Rorschach's been appropriated, then Wade's going to Wade's going to take him back. But I nice. hope he doesn't give up the the mirror mask cuz the mirror mask. Oh, it's so great. cool. It's very cool. Uh, what about this other stuff with, with <laughs> Laurie as bait for Dr. Manhattan, Vite being linked to Queen, Keen, uh, Vite loving a plan, all of that stuff? What, what's your if take they on think, that? If they think uh, Laurie is going to work as bait for Dr. Manhattan, they haven't yeah. been keeping up with his dating profile. Yeah, he does <laughs> He's not. He's over it. He's on yeah. to a younger woman. Talk uh, to, that's his whole move. Talk to Jeannie or whatever her name was. I forget, yeah. but... If anything, I think it's probably more about making Lori watch what they're doing and potentially winning her or trying to win her over to their side in some way, because that seems to be a lot of what Keen is doing is he's charming. He's charming everybody. He wants everybody to be following him and agreeing with him. So I could see that more versus, yeah, Dr. Manhattan is going to try to save Lori in some way. I, I don't know. That seems because he's such a like his whole thing is being a white supremacist. You think he thinks mm-hmm. he's going to be like, yeah, these people are definitely going to get on board with a white supremacy if I just tell them about it. Like that seems a little. I don't know. Ah. That's kind of his mode so far. I feel like. Yeah, but he has people under. I mean, I think with Looking Glass, it makes sense because it's not about hey, come be racist with us. It's hey, here's the <laughs> truth that you've been ha- haunted by your entire life, and I think that does affect him. But Laurie doesn't care about any of that she already knows she doesn't care about anything yeah so i don't know i feel like it could also be that she just stumbled in there and now they just have her and can't release her it feels i don't know if his whole plan has been this the whole time laurie is gonna grab a rorschach mask and put it on and step into the dr manhattan device machine and become dr manhattan and she's gonna be rorschach dr manhattan and silk specter at the same time wow i've been on on the on the on the series regular podcast we've been doing we've been like lightly speculating somewhere in that area because that would just be like the most sacrilegious thing we could do by the end of the show yeah Uh, then she's also she's also the comedian because she's both silk specter right exactly exactly Uh, you have to figure out the ozymandias piece yeah, if she, if she, if the, if it ended with her getting all of their quote unquote powers and being like, no, call me Watch Woman. Yeah. That would be the absolute worst thing that could happen ever. No, I think she goes, she steps through the machine and comes oh. out with a long gray beard and says, I'm Alan Moore. Oh. Watch out. <laughs> and I, I approve of this show. Yeah, I love it. I've been watching it all along and it's great. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's what it said. It said, save me, Dave Gibbons. 
Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. That's good. I That's like nice. that one. Uh, this is from Martin on Twitter. Uh, he says, as an avid follower, I'd be ecstatic if you can mention my theory, which I have already shared with you before. Uh, is the theory on Reddit uh, that Cal is Dr. Manhattan. Martin, I want to throw it out there. I think you're right. I think yeah. Cal is Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> I think you might be onto something. Yeah, so check that out on Reddit. But he does also say a few other random ideas. The elephant seems to be a trauma-collecting vessel of sorts. It seems likely now that Vite is True's dad. We touched on that a little bit. Uh, But what do you think about the elephant? Um, uh, One note that I'll make, Justin and I were talking about this. We couldn't figure this out. And when somebody pointed it out to me, I felt dumb. Uh, The Lady True logo is an elephant, it's the uh, the bottom of the T is the trunk of the elephant. There's two tusks coming off. The top of the T is the two ears of the elephant. So that's what's going on here. Uh, but what's all the stuff with elephants? Why is there an elephant in her headquarters? Why is that all going on? The the great Antonio the- Mazzaro, my co-host on the podcast, likes to say uh, the elephant never forgets. The elephant has a, yeah. such a long memory. So you can just like, I don't know, you could throw all your bullshit on an elephant. Which is kind of, I guess, not a surprise. <laughs> HBO has some some track with this stuff, right? There was the whole uh, vinyl Westworld kerfuffle. I mean, you know, she ran into the room, and there was literally <laughs> an elephant in the room. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. that's oh wow, yeah, yeah. Josh, I thought you were making a joke about all the horses that died on luck, and they had a track record. <laughs> well, that wasn't that wasn't no? great either. That was pretty yeah. bad too. Yes. Yeah, uh, not of their none of their animal work has been uh, that outstanding. I mean, to the point about what you're saying, like, maybe Cal isn't Dr. Manhattan, and he just had a blue, some blue stuff in his brain. It's possible. Some random blue, like, uh... A the, blue like raspberry some, Slurpee. Mm-hmm. So yeah, of course, exactly. his time in Tulsa. Had yeah. brain freeze, and he was drinking yeah. a Slurpee, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Baby, we're in fucking trouble. You got brain freeze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sucks. I mean, he kinda, it seems like that's kind of what happened, no? Yeah. Uh, this is the the last one that we have, and then we'll start wrapping this up here. Uh, Tracy Todd on Twitter says, do you think any of Rorschach's siblings are as ill-adjusted uh, from their tough upbringing as he is? Will they play a part in the Watchmen story? Also, why do you think Dr. Manhattan came back to Earth? Why Vietnam? Do you think there is any real hope of Seventh Cavalry killing the living god, Doc Manhattan, who literally reconstructed himself back together atom by atom? <laughs> Uh, lots of stuff there. I have never heard that Rorschach siblings thing before. Uh, what do you think about that? I don't think they're going to play in it anyway, but that's a uh, fascinating detail to bring up. Yeah. Rorschach's twin is going to be a game changer in season yeah. two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't, that would be wild. That'd be a wild turn of events. Uh, since we already have like a ton of Rorschachs, to be like, yeah, well, here's another Rorschach. <laughs> you didn't see that coming. You thought that guy was. Yeah. Those people were messed up. Check that out blew this me guy. away. That blew yeah. me away. That'd be crazy. Uh, well, what about the other ones? Why do you think Doctor Manhattan came back to Earth? Why Vietnam? And do you think there is any way the Seventh Cavalry could ever actually kill Doctor Manhattan? It'd be a really shitty way to kill Dr. Manhattan is if he's killed by a bunch of white supremacists. That's going to suck. Like, I feel like there's, I I don't think it's going to end well for Dr. Manhattan. Um, but Antonio and I have been talking on the podcast. Like, it's going to be like, he's going to make that call himself. Like this, like Mm -hmm. this is on him. Like, he's like, yeah, this is good. Like I, I've been around way too long. I'm, I'm fine to, I'm fine to give myself up for some greater cause, some power play that's going to take out. Uh, the Seventh Calvary. But, like, these are the guys that are going to take on <coughs> Dr. Manhattan. Stop it. 
No, yeah, I, I kind of just feel like he was lonely. Like he did a bunch of stuff on Mars, and then you know needed some love. Yeah, I think he. Uh, I think he wants to recapture his humanity, and maybe the way, like we sort of said before, the way that they kill him is he commits to being human and sort of finishes his mm-hmm. cycle, going from man to god and then back to man. Uh, in that way. And then it's about the last episode or the, the climax is about them finding a way to beat the Dr. White supremacists. <laughs> yeah, I do think a large part of it is we don't know what the Millennium Clock does yet. We don't know what Lady True's thing is yet. And I feel like now that we know what the 7th Cavalry's plan is, that's bad. But again, we were talking about this a little bit, Justin and I, on the last episode of the podcast. My feeling is what the 7th Cavalry is doing is the equivalent of Russia and the United States about to go to nuclear war and Watchmen. But whatever Lady True is doing is what Adrian Veidt was doing with the squid. And that's yeah. ultimately the insane, horrific, fucked up thing that happens that saves the world, but also ends up killing three million people. So... If something's going to take out Dr. Manhattan, I don't, to all of your points, I don't think it's what the 7th Cavalry is doing. I think it's ultimately what Lady True is doing. And I do think, based on her actions and everything that she talked about in the Globe Room last episode, that she's not particularly fond of God or Dr. Manhattan. And I don't think she sees a use for him in particular. Yeah, and especially she's on the side of Vite and Vite was trying to control Dr. Manhattan. So I think she's trying to pick up where he left off. Um, I was thinking about this because of Alex had a theory uh, that we talked about before that she's going to give everyone Dr. Manhattan's powers or somehow power up a large section of humanity. I thought that was a cool idea, but so much of this, That's like the, the syndrome plot, right? Like once everybody's special, yes. no one will be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She does. She does wear a cape, which doesn't <laughs> point to good things. It doesn't for bode her. well. That's bad. Yeah. Stay away from uh, jet turbines. Uh, well, um, yeah, that'd be a wild uh, homage to touch on randomly at the end. <laughs> yes. uh, but I was thinking, Topher what is if... the Jack Jack of the <laughs> Watchmen universe? Anyway, sorry, that's Justin. Topher. That's Topher. Can we, can we yeah, stop? Topher. Uh, never. Yeah. Is Frozone Lube Man then? I mean, that fits. It tracks. Uh, But I was thinking so much of this show has been about, like, memory and um, how memory sort of is bad for you. She talks about how nostalgia is actually such a scourge because everyone goes back and relives all of their trauma. Like, what if her plan is to erase everyone's memories and then uh, nostalgia becomes this high-in-demand thing where you can recapture your memories or the memories that she selects for you to try to make a better world. Everybody mm. is Lady True's mom by the end of wow. the season. Mm. Yeah, but, I mean, that, that would make sense why the mom is a thing, because if she can reconstruct a personality, she can say, hey, I'm going to go through and fix people. And that is sort of like Veidt's plan. It's like, it's good to fix things, but it's also an erasure of free will. Right. Um, so I think that, that could play in. That maps us to a certain number of things that are on the table, I think. I mean, to throw something else on that theory, and I do think that's kind of interesting, wasn't it Lady True who says to Angela that, wow, total amnesia, that's very rare and kind of only in soap operas? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So her throwing that out there, that potentially does point to her saying, oh, yeah, but I'm also going to do that to everybody. I do think this is something we talked about a couple of episodes back. I think it was when Jordan was on that this is absolutely the wrong phrase, but... 
if the idea here, if what Adrian Veidt was doing was trying to solve for nuclear annihilation and figure out a way to stave that off, potentially what Lady True is trying to do is solve for racism, to figure out a way to eliminate racism. And I do think one way is to wipe everybody's mind. Another way potentially is... To go the other way and deal with one of the other big things we're dealing with, which is give everybody the same trauma, make everybody feel the Tulsa massacre, send those memories out to absolutely everybody. So everybody understands, oh, yes, through empathy, this is what everybody went through. So I don't know. It's a hard time being a white man in America, Senator Keene, like, you know, millennial clock. Boom. Yeah. 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 I think maybe the clock is just a giant TV antenna and everybody gets to watch soap operas for free. Mm. Okay. Mm. Yeah. She did in one of the PDPD <laughs> things. They did yeah. for free. Well, wow. Uh, I know. My soap opera budget is out of control. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a fortune on those fuckers. Printing money. Uh, great. Thank you all for writing in your questions. Josh, before we wrap up, plug some of your stuff. Where should people check you out? Uh, I'm on I'm on the Twitter bots. I'm at Round Howard. That is how you can find me there. I tweet out the links to my things when I remember to, but often I forget. Uh, so if you want to seek out the podcasts, it's Series Regular is the name of the podcast I do at The Hollywood Reporter, where we do show-focused podcasts. Right now, we're, we're all in on Watchmen. That's wrapping up, obviously, very soon. Uh, and I host that with Antonio Mazzaro, who is fantastic. Uh, he and I also co-host a Mr. Robot podcast that we do over at Post Show Recaps. Uh, and that show is about to wrap up. That's been phenomenal. The final season, uh, Zalvin, I slid into your DMs the other yes. week. Like, oh, oh my fuck, God. what just happened? It's so good. Uh, much to discuss. So good. Uh, and I also, I do a weekly Lost Rewatch podcast. I'll try to win you back now over, you haters. Uh, right. <laughs> come, to my, come to my dojo. It's Down the Hatch is the name of the podcast. It's a Lost Rewatch podcast. I do with Mike Bloom. We're going episode by episode, week by week. Every episode is like two and a half, three hours. We really go at it. It's very fun. It's a lot of listening to do. I think you might enjoy it if you ever watched Lost. If you've never watched Lost, definitely never listen to it. Uh, it, is, <laughs> it is full tilt spoilers all the way through. Uh, but uh, yeah, those are the things. Those, that's the stuff. Awesome. Definitely check out all of that. Thank you, Josh, so much for being here. A couple of things to plug on our end before we go. If you want to follow us socially, Twitter, Watchman Watch One. We are Watchman Watch Podcast on both Instagram and Facebook, very sporadically putting things up there. So mostly the Twitter. Follow us. What were you going to say, and Justin? Feel free, feel free to slide or lube into our DMs at any time, <laughs> <laughs> which is a term that I think we need to get out there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Also, you can check us out at comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. We do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York that's totally free. Come on by. We will chat with you about Watchmen. If you want to support this show and other shows that we do, patreon.com slash comicbookclub for as low as two bucks a month that helps us support doing this and all of our other podcasts. And you get some nice bonuses. We have Patreon slash There's been very active talking about Watchmen and we would love to hang out with you all day and talk about Lube Man or whatever you want to discuss. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice. And remember, we taped this podcast 35 minutes ago.